Amen. So how many of you have ever given a birth announcement? Sent out a birth announcement for your child? Did we send out birth announcements for our children? We did? Okay, so I have done that as well. I, I didn't remember if we did that. But who, who else has done that? Your child is born, you send out, hey, you want to celebrate, right? You, you send out a birth announcement for all your friends and your family, the people that you love. You don't send them to your enemies, but you send them all to the ones that you love that are important to you. So I, I, I had the media team find me some birth announcement pictures. have no idea who these kids are. They're just randomly off of Google. So this person, I think it's, it's an actual, I mean, obviously that's an actual human. Um, I don't know if that's his name, but Alexander has arrived. I have arrived. Alexander Griffin Marks. Alexander, June 5th. Then we have Emerson Yaban. Yaban? Does anybody know these children? Born August 25th. 2013. Okay, let's look at the next one. Beautiful birth announcement picture. Bella Renee. That is such a beautiful. Look at that. Look at all that hair. This is amazing. This next one's my favorite. Please welcome. <laughs> please welcome our brand new miniature human. <laughs> Isn't that what our little kid? They're miniature humans. Jackson Caleb. Hey, man, look at that. Look at those eyes, huh? Got a little smirk on his face. Got some personality. That's a birth announcement. This is what you do. You, you are announcing the birth of this precious life that God has blessed you with. And so you, you, you want everyone to know. You want to share it, but specifically you want to share it with really important people, with people that, that are important to you. And so what we're going to see here in Luke 2, Jesus is born. And Pastor Renee, last week, he dealt with the prophecies leading up to the birth of Christ. And he talked about Mary and Joseph and the angel visiting Mary and Joseph and telling them what was going to take place and what their response was. And, and then now Jesus is born at the beginning of chapter 2. He's born and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's laid in a manger. And then after the birth, you have the greatest birth announcement that has ever been made in the last 2,000 years. The greatest announcement of the coming of a precious baby that has ever been made. And we pick it up. Let's read the text. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. We'll read the whole section that we're going to cover. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So what we want to do here this morning, what I would like to do is I just want to pull out four truths, four things that stand out in this text, four highlights. And I could have probably made eight to ten. We would have been here a lot longer than you probably would want to sit and listen to me. But we're just going to pull out four truths, four highlights from this birth announcement. And I just the, the, the first one to me is abundantly clear. And this is the first truth, is that the gospel, the good news, is for everyone. It's for everyone. Let's, let's look back and hone in on verses 8 through 10 of Luke 2. It says, and in the same region there were shepherds. Out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel Lord appeared to them. They were in the glory the Lord shone. And they were filled with great fear, rightfully so. The glory of the Lord appeared before them. And the angel said to them, fear not, for, for behold, I bring you good news. The word gospel, we, we talk about preaching the gospel, it means good news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the good news is for everyone. And what's interesting is that of all the people that the Lord could have chosen to give the birth announcement of the Savior of the world to, He chose shepherds. Shepherds. He didn't choose Caesar Augustus. He didn't choose the chief priest or the high priest or the religious leaders of the day. He chose to tell shepherds. Now, shepherds during that day, they were on the lower tier of the socioeconomic class of their time. They were not elite people. They were blue-collar working-class people that were out working in their fields. And this happened at night. This was at night while they're working, tending their sheep. This was a dirty job. Actually, shepherds during that time, because of their social status, they were not respected in community, in, in their community and in their region. And They weren't even trusted. A lot of them were looked down upon as possible schemers and not very honest. And so during Jesus' day, during the birth of Jesus, they were not even allowed to testify in court. So let's think about this. You have shepherds in a field at night. You have the Son of God prophesied to be the Savior of the world. And God says, you know what? I think I'm going to tell somebody about this. And I'm going to go and tell somebody that can't even testify in court about what is true. And I'm going to get them to start telling other people. That's a crazy plan, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think, okay, well, we need to go to somebody that can testify that people are going to believe and people are going to listen to and will respect their opinion. But what did God do? He said, I'm going to go to the lowest of the low those that are not respected, those that are the outcasts, those that are are on the outside, and I'm going to go to them first. And when when I read this, it just leapt off the page to me as I was reading it, that that is the heart of the good news. The heart of the good news doesn't start up high with those who don't believe they need God. The heart of the good news doesn't start with all the great people of the world. The heart of the good news starts with those who don't even know that there is hope, who believe there is no hope, who are the outcasts, who are the rejected of society. That's who God started with. And it is no accident that God started with shepherds. The first people to hear about the birth of Christ were shepherds. And you know, Jesus spent his earthly ministry focused on reaching those who were on the outside. 
those who were the outcast of society. And you, you've heard all the stories, the times where Jesus would, would, would make it a point of his to go after the outcast, to go after those that the religious leaders wouldn't even give a time of day, wouldn't even take the time to spend with them. You know, I, I think about that so often. About how I think we struggle to do this. We struggle at doing the same thing. We sometimes go to the people that are like us. We go to the people that dress like us, look like us, work with us. That's not where Jesus started. It's not where God started. And that's not what he demonstrated in his life. He went to the people that you didn't want to hang out with. He went to the people on the other side of the tracks. He went to the people that, 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 that were considered sinners and unlovely, not beautiful. One, one example of this is in Matthew 9. It really stands out to me as such a powerful picture of the heart of the good news that it's for everyone. Yes, it's for all the people, but it's for every one of the people. It's for everyone, but it's for everyone specifically. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. Matthew 9, 9 through 13, it, it, Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. This is the calling of Matthew to be a disciple. And he said to Matthew, this tax collector, to see, he said, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. In verse 10, and Jesus reclined at table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, this is the religious leaders, when the religious leaders of the day saw this, they said to, to Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners. Why does he hang out with these people? Why does he spend time with them? But when he heard it, Jesus heard, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That's why he came. You know, the tax collectors were considered one of the worst possible sinners for the Jewish people because tax collectors were robbing from their own people. They were considered those that would extort money and steal money from their own people to line their own pockets. And so for these Pharisees to see Jesus sitting at the table breaking bread with notorious sinners, it shattered their world. And he thought, this is not the way it's supposed to be. God doesn't hang out with bad people. God hangs out with good people. If he claims to be God, he claims to be good, he claims to be a, a rabbi, a good teacher, he would know better and he wouldn't associate with people that are low, that are the outcasts, that are sinners but jesus says don't you get it i didn't come to call those who have it all together i came for those who are sick for those who are not righteous for those who are not good the gospel the good news is for everyone for for anybody and for everybody amen, amen. another example of the fact that jesus came for everybody even the bad people is Matthew 8. Jesus touches the unclean. Matthew 8, it says here, it says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus, what did Jesus do here? Such a powerful moment right here. Jesus stretched out his hand, and what did he do? He touched him, saying, I will 
I am willing. Be clean. Lepers were considered unclean in Jewish culture. And according to the Pharisees, if you got too close to a Pharisee, a certain number of feet close to a Pharisee, then you were considered unclean. You could even get in their close proximity without being considered to be unclean. What did Jesus do? He didn't just get close to him. He touched the leper. It shows that that's why Jesus came, that the good news is for everyone. And, you know, along this this train of thought here, as I was thinking about Christmas and thinking about why Jesus came, and, and when you hear the birth announcement, he came to lowly shepherds, I begin to think about Christmas. And I begin to think about Santa Claus. I love Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a good, jolly old guy. And he gives gifts to, pe- gives gifts to people. But Santa Claus is biased. Did you know Santa Claus is biased? Many of you didn't know. Maybe you don't know that Santa Claus is biased, but I'm going to refresh your memory, and I'm going to ask you to help me to refresh all of our memories about the bias of Santa Claus. Are you guys ready? I'm going to sing a song, but not by myself. This is not sacrilegious. Lightning's not going to strike. You better watch out and not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Is coming to town. He's making a list. He's gonna find out who's Santa Claus is coming to town. This is the creepy part. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Good, be good for. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Isn't that good? Isn't that beautiful? Singing about Santa at church. People are going to leave the church now for good. <laughs> Pastor Nate might be watching live stream. I apologize. <laughs> but Santa is biased. He says, I will give you a gift for Christmas if you're good. But for the bad people, what do you get in your stocking? Coal, black. Dirty coal goes in your stocking if you're bad. The greatest gift that could ever be given at Christmas was our Savior that was born. And what does God say? He says, even if you're bad, I'm coming to you to give you the gift, the greatest gift of all time. Amen? All right, you guys are still with me. I, that was, I was thinking about that all worship. Is this going to go over good? And I, and I wanted to prove to you also that I am not, I have not inherited Pastor Nay's gift of singing. <laughs> I wanted you to hear firsthand. So that don't expect that. There's things that you should expect of me as senior pastor, but that is not one of them. Amen? Santa says to all the bad people, you get left out for Christmas. Jesus says to all the bad people, I came at Christmas to be a gift just for you. Amen? The gospel, the good news is for everyone. And that's what we see in this birth announcement, that the gospel is for everyone. And Jesus demonstrated that for us. But, but you have to ask, the next question is this. Well, okay, he came for everyone. He came for all the people. But what specifically did he come to do? What did Jesus come to do? Why was he born? Let's look back at the text in Luke 2 to lead us into our second point here. Luke 2 The angel is declaring to the shepherds and he says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, say it with me, a Savior, 
who is Christ the Lord. So God sent His only begotten Son into the world to be a Savior. Because people needed saving. And I think far too often in our culture, in, in, in modern culture today, it, I think there, is, there are things that are said about Jesus that really aren't accurate. I think they, people get it backwards. And they start talking about the, benefit, the, the, the benefits plan of Christianity. And they present Jesus in that light before they present him in the correct light, which is that he came to be a savior. And they'll, they'll say, hey, well, if you want to have a better life, a better marriage, you want your children to act right, you need a better job, you need to have fulfillment in your life, you need to have a sense of purpose in your life, then Jesus came for you. Is, is that true? Did, uh, do we get a sense of purpose when we're Christians? Absolutely. Does, does he bring fulfillment in our life? Absolutely. Do we have better marriages? I think so. I don't know how people who aren't Christians have good marriages. I mean, we fight enough and we're Christians. I mean, without Jesus, I don't know what would happen, right? I mean, just being honest. You know, I don't fight with the pregnant woman, though. That, that, is, that is off, that is off uh, for me. I cannot do that. But, but sometimes we can believe that that's the reason why Jesus came. And we can forget the reason why he came. Why did he come? To be a savior. What did we need saving from? You know, sin, right? Humanity's biggest problem is not that they don't feel fulfilled. Humanity's biggest problem is not bad marriages and, and kids that don't act right and rebellious children and, and having bad jobs or bad careers or, or any of the symptoms that we experience because of sin. Human, mankind's biggest problem is a sin problem. Humanity's, mankind's biggest problem is a sin problem. What is, a, what is the problem with sin? What does sin bring? Sin brings judgment. Sin brings a curse. Sin brings a, a wage that we have to pay for. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says this, For the wages, you earn something when you sin. What do you earn when you sin? The wages of sin... For those who are not believers, is death, spiritual death. If you are a non-believer, the, the wage that you will gain at the end of your life, if your sin is not atoned for and paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ, is death. Not just physical death, we all die. It's spiritual death. It's eternal separation from God forever. That is the wage for our sin if we are not found in Christ. The wage of sin is death. And so Jesus didn't come to just make us happy and better. He came to save us. And because of his saving work in our life, then we find fulfillment. Then we find purpose. Then we find joy. Then God heals our marriages and our broken relationship with our children. For unto you this day is born a Savior. The celebration of Christmas is not about lights and trees and gifts. The celebration of Christmas is about what those things represent. Jesus came to be the light of the world. And that's why I put lights on my tree. Because it reminds me that Jesus came to be the light of the world. He came to die on a tree, on a cross. That's why I put up a tree. Nothing wrong with trees. 
put them up in my house, put as many bright lights as I can on them because it reminds me that he died on the cross for me and the glory of his light shines in my life. And he came to become the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. He came to be a savior. And that's why we give gifts, right? I love expressing the generosity of God that's been shed abroad in my heart because of Christ as I give gifts to my kids and my family members and my friends. So Christmas is not about those things. It is about the ultimate gift of saving that God has given. And because of that, that's why we celebrate Christmas. The true message of Christmas is that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. To take our place, to be our savior, to rescue us from sin and guilt. That's the, that's the true message of Christmas. And that's the message that God said, I'm going to send to those who know they need it the most. I'm starting with those at the bottom. The gospel, the good news of the birth of Jesus is for everyone. And the good news is that a Savior is born. Let's look at the third. Let's look at the third point here. And this kind of this segues into this question. What should our response be to this good news? How do you respond? Hey, behold, a Savior has been born. He has come for anyone and everyone that will respond to the good news. And he came to be our savior, to take our place, to take our punishment. So what, what, what do we do? What should men do? What should our response be? Let's look at what the shepherds did. Let's look at Luke 2, 15 through 16. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, they started talking and they said what? They said, let us go. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had, has made known to us. And what, ha- what verse 16 says, so key here, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What's the third thing that we see here? Our first response is that we should make haste and see. The good news is for everybody. A Savior is born and we need to make haste and do something about it. That is the first response of anyone that hears the gospel message. You have to respond. If you believe in the message of the good news, you got to do something about it. If you just sit on it and you do nothing about it, it will not benefit you at all. You have to respond to the revelation that God gives you. You have to make haste. You have to go and see what God is telling you is true. I think back. To the book of Acts. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell, descended upon the 120 that were in the upper room, and there was a commotion that happened, and there was a noise that went abroad, and it says that Jews from the region gathered around the upper room, and they're looking at what's going on, and they're like, what is happening here? It looks chaotic, and I don't understand it. And what did Peter do? Peter stood up, and he preached the first message, the first New Testament good news message. And look look what he did. He looked at all of these Jews and he told them, this Jesus whom you crucified, he is resurrected. And he said, as a matter of fact, to prove to you he's resurrected, we were witnesses to that resurrection. We have seen him with our eyes. We have touched him and seen him. He is resurrected and you are the ones who crucified him. Let's look at at Acts 2.36. It says, this is Peter's sermon. He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God (coughs) has made him Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. So 
Here's the revelation. Peter tells these Jews this revelation that the Christ is risen. The one that you crucified is risen. And what is their response? Acts 2, 37 through 38. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Let us go. Let us do something. Let us make haste. What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you believe when you hear, you hear a revelation from God about the truth of Jesus Christ, you have to respond. You have to be like the shepherds. They saw the glory of the Lord and the good news was spoken to them and they didn't just stay there. They got up, they moved, they responded. That re- reminds me of 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2. Says, Paul says this, Working together with him, then we appeal to you to not receive the grace of God in vain. For he says... It's quoting Isaiah, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, say it with me, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now you respond. When you hear the revelation, the greatest news of all time, that Jesus came to take your place, that he received your punishment on the cross, that we deserve death and eternal damnation. And when you hear that revelation, you respond now. You make haste and see. You get up and go. Because it is truly the greatest news. You know, and I think some of us, some of us today don't really recognize that as good news. Because we don't believe we're really that bad. You know, that's really not... The good news of Jesus being a Savior is really not good news for someone who doesn't believe they need saving. Who doesn't recognize that God is holy. And He's just. And He will judge sin one day. I think, I think the problem is that people have... Is that God doesn't judge sin today right away. People think they're getting away with their rebellion against a holy God. They believe that there really are no consequences. You know, sometimes we get the grace of God in temporary and immediate consequences. That's God's grace when we get those consequences because it reminds us that sin cost us. But there are people who live their life and they believe that they're really never going to pay for their sin. They commit what they know is wrong before God because their conscience tells them so. But then they wake up the next morning and then they wake up the next morning and then they continue to live their life. And so when somebody comes and tells them, hey, by the way, for unto you is born a Savior. They say, I, I, I don't need saving. Saving from what? Saving from the wrath of God. That's what we all need saving from. And you know what took place at the cross? You know what took place at the cross of Jesus Christ? When, when Jesus was hanging there on the cross, and he, he gave up his spirit, and he died, the wrath of God fell on the innocent Son of Man. And the people that deserved to be on the cross and have the wrath of God fall on them was me. And it was you. And so when you see that, Man, it's good news. 
It's a, it's a revelation that transforms your life. And you say, wait a minute, this holy God has provided a way for me to be right with him. And, and, and he has provided his own son to absorb the wrath that I deserve. When you hear that and that revelation comes alive in your heart, you make haste to respond to the revelation. And you see clearly that today is the day of salvation. And the, these shepherds, they demonstrate for us the first things that happen when someone is saved. They hear a revelation concerning Christ, and then they believe that revelation. And their response to go and see demonstrated their belief in what God had revealed to them. I want to read this in Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Do you see the pattern there? Someone preaches the good news like the angel to the shepherd. Someone preaches the good news. And what happens? They they receive it and they believe it. They hear it and they believe it. That's the pattern of gospel proclamation. It goes forth in the hearts of the people that God has prepared. They hear it. They make haste. And they go see They check it out. Let us go. Let us not take the grace of God in vain. So I want to tell you here this morning, if you're here this morning and you've beheld beheld the glory of the Lord and, 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 and you know that the good news is for everyone, it's for you, and you recognize this truth, I want to implore you on behalf of Christ, on behalf of Christ, make haste and see. Get up and go. Respond to the gospel message. This leads us to to our, our final thought here in Luke 2. The good news is believed. Excuse me, the good news is preached. And then the good news is believed. Then the good news is believed. And then the good news is preached. And that's our fourth point. When the good news is believed, then the good news is preached. It's this cycle that goes on. And this leads us to our fourth point, which is this. Is that you got to tell everyone you know. Good news is for everybody. A Savior is born. We have to make haste and see. And then when we have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've got to tell everyone you know. Luke 2, 17 through 18. This is what the shepherds did. And when they saw it, we're leaving out the, the section of Scripture there. In the previous verses, it says, previously it says that, that the shepherds went. And I, I think it's interesting. It's just a side point. This would have been another one of our points I wanted to add to the message. But when... The angels were speaking to the shepherds. It's so interesting. He tells, the angel tells them, he says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in, in, in strips of cloth and swaddling clothes, cloths, lying in a manger. And the angel said, that's going to be a sign for you. So, so what's the sign? A baby wrapped in cloths? Well, I mean, what parent doesn't wrap their baby up when they're first born, right? That's not a sign. But what was the sign? The sign was that there would be a baby in a manger. So what's a manger? A manger is a feed trough. A manger is a trough that animals would eat out of. And so it was a sign for them. So if they're to go into Bethlehem, start asking. Let's think practically. They're going into Bethlehem and news would have spread about a baby being born. But perhaps there were other babies born on that day. And so they're going around, hey, did you hear about a baby being born? And they said, yes, it, it's over here. This child was born here. And they, maybe they go and they look, and, and it's just a normal baby wrapped in clothes in his mom's arms. And like, no, that's not what the angel said. 
The angel said he would be in a manger. And then they come upon a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a feed trough. And they realize at that moment, this is not a normal, this is not normal. This is exactly what the angel prophesied. You know what's unique about that is that is exactly representative of who Christ is. He came to be our servant. He didn't come to be a tyrant king who made people follow his command. He came and his birth was announced to lowly shepherds and he was placed in a feed trough at his birth. He came to be our servant leader. And look at what the shepherds say after they saw Jesus in a, in a manger. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So what's the response to the good news? You believe the good news of Jesus Christ and then you let people know. Can you guys think back to when you first got saved? Just go, go back with me. Think back to when you first heard the good news. Maybe for some of you, it's, maybe you, you walked the aisles, you prayed a prayer, and you left full of joy and peace. What was instinctively something you wanted to do? You can talk to me. It's okay. You can have a conversation. What do you want to do? You wanted to tell people, right? Right? I mean, it's natural. Being an evangelist is the most natural thing when somebody first gets saved. But you know what happens is we forget our, evangel- our evangelism call so easily. One of the most natural things. I mean, I, I, there's so many people I can think back over the years that I've been here at Living Word. Some people, they, they, they get saved and the zeal is through the roof. They want to tell anybody and everybody. They want to go stand on top of their car in the mall parking lot. They want, to, they want to do anything and everything they can. Listen, this God has saved me. He's resur- he has resurrected my life. He's given me hope and peace and joy. I'm forgiven. It is one of the most natural things, but, but it's so easy for us just to get into our everyday life and to get busy and to forget. I mean, you think about this. We forget that in our mouths, in our hearts and in our mouths, we hold the truth that this world needs to know. Think about that. Think about the heaviness of that, the weight of the responsibility that is on our shoulders. We hold within us the truth that can change the world, that can change individual lives. Those people you work with on your job, maybe even some of your family members that you live with, Those people that that you think are too far gone. You hold within you the truth that has changed human history. The truth of the, the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has changed you and you are called to be just like the shepherds. To be an evangelist. To go ye into all the world. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. The shepherds were the first New Testament evangelists. They were the first ones to follow the command of Christ before Christ ever made the command. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The good news is for who? For all the people. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. We're called to be evangelists, to spread this good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the heart of Christmas. That's the meaning of Christmas. So what is the meaning of Christmas? 
Christmas is centered around the gospel. Christmas should be a time when we thank God for sending His Son as a gift to die for our sins. Christmas is the greatest holiday because Christmas reminds us again that God loved us enough to become one of us, to take our place and provide a way for us to be right with God. You know, some Christians, I've heard it throughout the years, would say, you know what? Christians shouldn't celebrate Christmas. It's a pagan holiday. I just say that's a bunch of baloney. In my opinion, maybe it is have roots in pagan holidays, and maybe you'll tell me after service, and I'll listen to you. But I'm still going to celebrate Christmas. Do you know why I'm going to celebrate Christmas? This is what I say. This is, I'm going to quote myself here. I say, let's be like the shepherds and tell everyone we know about the good news. The good news that unto us was born a Savior. Hey, look, maybe Jesus wasn't born, and we know he probably wasn't born on December 25th. So what? All of our culture decides on December 25th, actually for a whole month, we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So, you know what? We're going to do it with him. And we're going to point to Christ during the holidays. The good news that unto us was born a Savior. Let's take every opportunity to point others to Christ. To point others to Christ through our gift giving. You know, we, we spent some time in a, with a, um, some children of incarcerated mothers. And we talked to you about that a few weeks ago. And we asked that you would take some angel trees off of the tree and give gifts to these kids. And we had four or five families that showed up yesterday. And it was such a beautiful picture to see, a picture of the gospel. These kids are getting these gifts. And it was wonderful. And you know what I saw? I saw the love of Christ being manifested through these gifts. And so that's what we do through our giving. We point others to Christ through our generosity, through our making a big deal about the reason behind the greatest Christmas gift of all time. Amen? That's what we're that's why we celebrate Christmas. And the pagans, the pagans can, can try to take our holiday. But this is our holiday. This is our holiday. This is this is about Christ. Christmas is about Christ. It's about celebrating his birth. So I'm not going to let the pagans take it from me. And I don't want you to let the pagans take it from you. Shout on the rooftops that Christmas is about Christ. And so every year, what what are we going to do? We're going to make a big deal about Jesus Christ. And so what's the truth? What did he tell? What, What did God come to tell the angels? The gospel is for you and the gospel is for me. From the highest to the lowest. And unto us was born a Savior to take our place, to die on the cross for our sins. And when we have heard, we heard that revelation, we responded by faith to that revelation. And we were transformed from the inside out. And because of that transformation in our hearts, we became evangelists, just like the first evangelists, just like the shepherds. And we let, we let it be known what God did on the inside of us. Won't you stand with me? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the greatest gift in human history. The gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that you saw to it that we would not die. We didn't have to die in our sins. 
We didn't have to die in our sins and receive eternal punishment because of those sins. You provided a way for us to escape the wrath that was due us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for what Christmas represents. For, we thank you for that revelation that you first revealed to the shepherds. They got to witness your glory. We thank you for that revelation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask a question. Maybe there are some of you here this morning. And you have not made haste and responded to the good news of Jesus Christ. You've not done that yet. And you know in your heart of hearts that if you were to die today, that you don't have confidence about where you would spend eternity. You don't have that confidence. There's no peace in your heart. You know, the truth of the gospel is what was said to the shepherds. It says, it says peace on earth and goodwill towards men. God came, God came and sent his son to provide peace for you. So if that is you here this morning and you know that you are not at peace with God, I just want to see your hands. Without hesitation, make haste. Make haste and respond. Is there anybody? Anybody here this morning? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Respond to the gospel. Respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. We just want to pray for you. We're going to all pray together. And if you raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, and you, you know that's you in your heart, when we pray, I want you to believe by faith in the truth of the gospel. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We acknowledge that you died on the cross for our sins, that you took our place. We repent of our rebellion against you. And we believe in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.